0: 922. All right, Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. We're also going to be reading from um, a book in the New Testament called Acts. So flick forward with me to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 5 of chapter 2. That's on page 1096, if you've got one of those church Bibles. So it's Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty words of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth
1: I am on. I am on. Uh, Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. Uh, It's great to see familiar faces. It's great to be back. Um, My name is Andy, and I might just uh, pray for us as we reflect on these words. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful uh, that you are spiritual, that you have given us words that give us insight into the spiritual realities that are around us. And Father, we pray this morning that you might take away the distractions, uh, that we might see Jesus for who he is and see the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to that. Father, we pray that we would indeed be truly spiritual as you have made us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, it seems like we are uh, living a time where everyone uh, pulls the spiritual card out to kind of justify what they want. Uh, you know, we kind of, we love don't we? We're happy for people to be spiritual. We're happy to have uh, spiritual relations to the land, uh, to animals, to different types of games and different things, uh, and so we can use that to uh, justify what we want. Um, Christianity is concerned with spirituality, but the type of Christianity that uh, the type of spirituality that Christianity is concerned with, uh, the world doesn't really like. I don't know if you you feel that um, you feel that rub that it's. Uh, but, you know, for thousands of years, Jesus has been telling us that we are spiritual beings, uh, we're made to be in relationship with God and actually God Himself is spirit. Is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and we as Christians, we worship Him in spirit and truth. But as we reflect not just on the world and its spirituality and its confusion, we are confused inside the church, aren't we, and what it means to be spiritual. I remember when I um, got my first car, it was a Suzuki Vitara, 1990, very masculine, manly car. Um, I caught the train up to, it was um, Maxfield, to pick it up. And the the guy was, I don't know, my great-grandma's cousins, nephew, niece, you know, friend, uh, who we got it off. Uh, And I remember getting off, he picked me up from the station in it, I was very excited, I think i have been 19. And... um, you know, he said, oh, so are you a Christian? And we had this conversation. I actually slept over the night. It's a bit weird, but anyway. Um, we had this conversation where he said, oh, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I trust in Jesus. I see, you know, his life, his death, his resurrection. Uh, that was for my sin because I'm a sinner and I, I know the hope of eternal life. Uh, I thought that was a pretty textbook question. I thought, you know, that's what it means to be a Christian. The next question he said to me is like, do you speak in tongues? And I remember thinking, that's odd. Uh, I speak in a tongue, sometimes, half English, half Bogan, whatever it is. Uh, But I remember thinking, no, you know, I don't think I've spoken in tongues as the way he had thought of it. And I asked him, why? Why do you ask that? He said, well, you know, I I think, you know, there's kind of Christians, uh, but then there's Christians who have received the Holy Spirit, uh, who got the second blessing, And the way you can tell if you've kind of leveled up as a Christian, he didn't use that word, I'm putting those words in his mouth, but essentially the way you can tell is is if you speak in tongues. Uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. Never heard that before. Where do you get that from? And anyway, we had a good, long conversation about that. But it it raises for me the concern. I think Christians uh, and spirituality, we all have different views of what it means uh, to have the Holy Spirit, and are there different levels? And what does it mean? And can I say this passage that we've just had read out in Joel, this ancient passage, hundreds of years before Jesus' time, uh, is actually speaks profoundly into what it means to be a Christian who has the Holy Spirit. Uh, what it means uh, to be a Christian, and can I say it because it speaks about this kind of pouring out of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Uh, and if you have just joining us today, we have been working our way through Joel, which is a prophet uh, before Jesus' time, 600 odd years before Jesus' time, and that's why we read Joel and why we're reading Acts, because it's speaking about the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is just give us a little bit of context of where we're up to in Joel and then look at prophecy, and I think there's two key things that I want us to reflect on and then for us to consider the implications. That's the plan for us. So, context is, we're in, in Joel and God's people, they've been hit with this locust storm, this just absolutely terrible disaster. they stripped the land of everything, crops, food. Uh, and in Joel, he calls it the day of the Lord. You know, that's, it's what's coming in chapter 1. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 11, it'd be helpful to have Bibles open there and just to tell so you can check whether what I'm saying is what God says. 2 verse 11, he, he calls it a day of God's judgment there. Uh, and last week we saw his call uh, was to repent. This locust, this terrible day of the Lord, this destruction day is coming. What, what God's people do in response, they should repent. Uh, and it should be a genuine heartfelt repentance and, which is just turning back to God. And the promise was that maybe he would relent and rescue you. Uh, verses 18 to 27, we read about how God does rescue. Uh, not only does He take away the locusts and the, the judgment, but He actually blesses the land. Now, if Joel finished in chapter 2, verse 17, 27, that would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? You know? You've got this locust incoming, it's not an accident, it's from the hand of God, judgment of God, a call to repent, they repent, Uh God removes the locusts and then there's prosperity again. But he doesn't stop there. He he goes on and he talks about two promises for the future, two things that are further going to happen in God's calendar, uh, things that are happening as God looks over after the world. Uh, And he uses it. Have a look at that sentence 28 there. Um, Hang on, I'm still in Acts. Turn back to Joel. Sentence 28. You're all there. I'm, I'm the only one still in Acts. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass afterwards. So he's got this idea of something coming to pass afterwards. Uh, and the first thing that he promises is that he's going to pour out, that, the, that God will pour out his spirit. And it should come to pass, verse 28, afterwards, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. What's he going to do afterwards? After he's restored the land and removed the locusts, he's going to send his spirit on his people, on all flesh. Uh, And more than that, they're going to dream dreams, prophesy, that's what's going to happen. And as he's writing this, He's looking forward to a future time when that would happen. Now, this is exactly the same thing which Moses wished for 700 odd years before Joel. So, if you've got a timeline, we're here, Jesus, Joel, Moses, 700 years before. See, Moses, he wished that everyone would become a prophet of God, uh, that everyone, that is, would have God's spirit living within them. Uh, See, uh, the day he says will come when, what he wishes for is when that all of God's people will have the Holy Spirit. So when when Moses speaks about it in Numbers 11, uh, you've got this interesting interaction. I think I've deleted it from my notes. I'm trying to find it. I think I have. I remember what I wanted to say, I hope. So, this this interesting interaction where Moses is kind of leading the people and he's uh, looking after the affairs of the people. There's thousands of people. He's got too many things where his father in law, Jethro, uh, not the band Jethro told, but um, his father in law says to him, Hey, you should delegate to other people to help you in your task of leading. Uh, And so, 70 of the elders, they call them, they get in a place. And uh, the Spirit comes down on them, and they all prophesy. And they they kind of share in the Spirit that was on Moses, that gets shared across those people. Um, Interestingly, two people aren't in that initial gap. So, two people, and they're separate in their homes, and they start prophesying. They start speaking of God. And um, uh, who's Moses' right hand man? Joshua, he gets upset. Because he's here. these two people that you know they weren't with us. How these two people here, these elders that you appointed, they've got your spirit, uh, and he's upset that they're getting you know a bit of uh, time in the spotlight. And Moses says to them, um, Numbers eleven twenty nine. You could have. Let's turn back there. So Joshua is a bit you know peeved off. It's like, hang on, these two aren't here. How can he do that? And he tells Moses, why don't you tell them to stop? Uh, And Moses says to him, Numbers 11, 29, Are you just for my sake? So he's speaking to Joshua. And here's what he says. Would that all of God's people, the Lord's people, were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So you've got this interaction of Moses having it, anyway, we got there. So, that everyone would have the Spirit on them, Spirit living within them, which is exactly the thing, same thing that Joel prophesies um, that they'd have. Now, I, I think I've cut and I've printed out my wrong sermon here. There we go. You guys are going to have some fun, or I'm going to have some fun trying to remember what is going on. Um, okay, Joel prophesying, pour out spirit on Moses, same thing. Uh, then reading hundreds of years later after Joel in Acts 2. And we get it fulfilled, right? So you get this, you know, you've got another group of people uh, 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven and what's the first act he does? He pours out his spirit on his timid disciples Uh, and as we heard and we read in the in the kids talking they all start to speak in different languages Uh, there's an instant like they've duolingo does anyone do duolingo multi-duolingo whatever it is they've got multi all in an instant they've learnt uh, and they can speak multiple languages and the people they think these guys are drunk what's going on Uh, but Peter uh, flip over to Acts 2 come over He says, verse 15, These people aren't drunk, uh, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So, you know, seeing this spirit being poured out, people speaking of Jesus in all the multi-languages, and he says, What you see here is what the prophet Joel prophesied hundreds of years earlier. You know, this is that. Uh, So what God is doing today is what He promised He would do afterward, Joel. Does that make sense? Yeah? Today is afterwards? Yep. Uh, And, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, He's going to pour out His Spirit on you. It doesn't matter what gender or sex you are, male or female, nor class, servants, God is pouring out His Spirit on everyone. And this is an age and a time where no one will miss out. Now, the spirit was given to different people in the Old Testament, but it, it wasn't the surprise in Acts is that it's given to everyone, uh, to all of God's people, uh, because in the Old Testament the spirit did uh, come upon people like prophets like Joel, uh, it did come upon judges like Gideon who uh, would rescue God's people, it did come upon kings like Saul uh, who would lead God's people, it even came a- upon the occasional builder uh, in the Old Testament. But the key thing we've got to grasp is that this is actually a, a pouring out of the Spirit on all disciples. Uh, and the particular task, it's not like the Spirit comes and goes, but the Spirit actually stays. It, it stays within people and it's, it's kind of, it's drenched on people. So everyone, every Christian has the Spirit. Uh, and here's the thing, if you're a Christian, as if you know who Jesus is, you trust Him, you follow Him, you, you trust in His death and resurrection for you, you are a spiritual Christian. That's the that's the litmus test of, of how the Holy Spirit works in Acts. Uh, if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't trust Jesus, then you're not spiritual. Then you're not, you do not have the Holy Spirit on you, you do not belong to God. See, this is the first key implication for us, is that, like a prophet who knows God, every spiritual Christian, everyone who recognises who Jesus is, they know God personally because they have received a revelation from God. See, I, you don't want you to get stuck on the dreams and visions part. Uh, what is significant is that here are a group of people who are now like prophets of the Old Testament, uh, they're like mini-prophets, not the capital P prophet, but like a mini-prophet because they now know God, know through Jesus, and God has revealed Himself to them and given them understanding. So, in a biblical sense, uh, we are all here, if you're a Christian, prophets. Uh, in a Not in the capital P, but lower P sense. Uh, you know, so in a sense, we've all dreamed dreams. We've all had visions uh, because we've come to see Jesus. See, that's what the Spirit does in the life of people today. It opens up their eyes to see the truth and beauty and wonder of Jesus. Um, The second thing for us is that if we have the Spirit, uh, if we've got the truth about Jesus to us, then we ought to, like all prophets, when they're given a word from God, speak that word to others. See, we're not like Moses... Uh, We don't, not all of us have the special gift of prophecy, but every Christian is a prophet and called to speak of what they know about Jesus. And while we're filled with the Spirit, the key marker is that Christians know and delight in God and they want to share that, they want to speak that to others. Uh, The church that doesn't talk about Jesus often is an unspiritual church. Uh, it's, It's not a spiritual church. Uh, if you, if the Jesus doesn't come up often in our conversations, then we've got to wonder, how spiritual are we? Um, but this is the Spirit's work that we see in Acts 2, is that when it's poured on you, you will speak of Jesus, and you'll prophesy here. Now, that's the first kind of thing. We see the Spirit poured out in Acts 2, and that's the time we live in. But the second thing that Joel is prophesying there, in uh, verse 30, have a look back in Joel. We're doing a bit of flicking. Is not only the spirit the and, and the prophets, but an age of wonders and signs. Verse 30 says, I will show you wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and columns of smoke, the sun to darkness and the moon to blood before that great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now it sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Thinking, what the heck is going on here? Uh, but just like Joel chapter 2, verse 10, 11, uh, where the, the locust plagues are called the day of the Lord uh, and they get turned aside, what Joel is saying is that doesn't mean that the final day of the Lord is turned aside. There's still a day that is still coming. Uh, the initial part, the initial fulfilment in the locust has come and gone, but the final day of the Lord is still coming. And the question is, when, when does that come? When, what, what's he talking about there? When does it come? Well, Jesus, uh, he speaks kind of in similar language to Joel here uh, when he talks about, you know, uh, those days that will come when sun and stars and men and, you know, there, there'll be days of judgment. Uh, there'll be one day that will align to that final day. Uh, As in Joel, will know this final day. Uh, it's not, like some people will get it and some people miss out, like they didn't wake up and get the, the message, uh, but ev- heavens and earth, all over everyone, will see it. What's interesting though, I think, is that at Jesus' death, some of these, this kind of language happens. So you get earthquakes and tombs and you get the darkness as Jesus died for three hours. And in a sense, this day of the Lord, this judgment of God that was coming came at Jesus' death. Uh, God's judgment against sin uh, was brought forward in time at Jesus' death. But Jesus is clear, the final day is still to come. This, the, the final day of God's wrath is still to come where God will pour out wonders and cosmic fireworks to mark that final day. The image in verse thirty and 31 is terrifying, isn't it? It's a, an image of a battle, battle scenes of disaster, they're terrifying the whole world. Um, this day of the Lord that is still to come and the pouring out of the Spirit, so 30, 31, and 20, 28, and 29, uh, they're linked in Joel. So you know that afterwards, this will happen, the pouring out of the Spirit, and then, verse 30, um, the, the signs and wonders will come. See, the point I think that Joel wants us to get is that when we see the pouring out of the Spirit, we will know that that final day of the Lord is very near. It's the day of His final wrath has come close. So when you see the Spirit poured out in Acts 2, from that point on, that final day is very close. The days are numbered. Uh, these, These are the last days. Did you notice, I don't know if you come back to Acts Did you notice in Acts 2, where he kind of quotes uh, Joel word for word, he says the one at the start of the quote is Joel says afterwards, but Peter, when he's quoting it, he says in the last days. Did you notice that? In verse 17, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. See what Joel. Peter saw as a sign of now as the sign of the last days. Uh, so for Peter, the coming of the Holy Spirit, give, given by the risen Lord Jesus, was a sign that the end of the world was about to come, that we are now living in the last days. Now, I, an illustration I heard to explain the last days years ago, which has really stood for me, is um, uh, you know when you have like a huge high-rise building and they, they want to, they demolish it, so what do they, they, you know, they go and put the detonators around all the foundations, uh, and, has anyone seen these on YouTube? And, you know, they, they put the, I don't know, they, I don't know if they still do those ones, but they push that, and you see the kind of explosion at the building, all the smoke comes up, but there's a split second where you're like, has this, has it demolished the foundations, or is it, not quite done it. You know, I can imagine if you're the engineer just freaking out for that split second. Um, but you know, there's a, it's a split second before it explodes and then what happens? It just comes crashing down. I think the last days is that split second. It's that split second between the pouring out of the Spirit where people prophesy about Jesus and when He returns. It's that split second, that's the days that you and I Are living in. Jesus has come. He's sent His Spirit, He's poured it out. Uh, The only left thing on God's calendar is for Him to return in final judgment, where He's going to call all of us to an account. Um, Now, that's the day we live in. So we're living in that split second of time where history changed. Where it's one of the life changing events in history when. God gave his spirit when Jesus, it's a seismic explosion. Uh, it brought in a new world order. So friends, if verse 28 and 29, Peter says has happened, then the final day is coming. The final day is coming. And it's a terrifying day. And the question that we're going to ask is, where can we go? Where's our only place of safety? And Joel answers that, doesn't he, in verse 32. He says... And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. See, the place of safety in Joel was uh, Jerusalem and Mount Zion. In particular, Mount Zion was where the temple was, where God dwelt. And so the, the place of safety isn't necessarily a location now, it was where God was, where God dwelt. Uh, in other words, the only place you can survive this final day is the place that God provides for you. And who is it that it's, that's, finds that? It's all those who call on the name of the Lord. They run to His refuge in this day. Uh, Acts, in Acts, he spells out who that person is that we are to call on. Uh, it's interesting in Acts that he doesn't kind of continue to talk about the spirit uh, but who does he, what does he do? He just, he just talks about Jesus. He talks about Jesus as the, the promised one that was raised to death and his resurrection meant he was the, the one that we've all been waiting for, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his punchline to this group of people that he to, he says, let everyone know that this for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this one whom you crucified. Acts wants to say the only hope that you and I have today uh, to be safe for this day of the Lord is to be in Jesus, to come to him, to escape God's wrath. The the point he's saying is these cosmic fireworks is coming. It's imminent. It's going to happen. The foundations have been blown up. Now is the time, the last days to come to Jesus. And some of us here, We haven't done that yet. Some of us have heard and are new to these things and still exploring. I want to say keep exploring, keep asking questions. But what Jesus would say to us is every moment you have is another chance to come back and call on the name of Jesus. The reason he hasn't come back yet in final judgment, in his final day of the Lord, is so that he'd give, because he's patient and he gives us opportunity to repent. Uh, He wants you to come back to know Jesus and to receive the Holy Spirit. Others of us, we already know this Jesus, don't we? And we're so thankful, we're so grateful that our judgment came early at Jesus' death. That the judgment that I deserved wasn't poured on me, but it was actually poured on Jesus. And that He has overcome evil. And we return and we call to Him and we know that security and safety. But can I say, friends, in finishing up that if God has revealed this to you, if you know this safety, can I say, speak of it to others? You know the joy. You know the security. You know the assurance. Don't just keep this life-saving news to yourself. You've got the gift of the Spirit. God has revealed himself to you. He's revealed his timeline to you. The only thing, the only place that you're going to be safe is in Jesus. It's, it's spiritual living, actually, is this speaking of Jesus, understanding the times that we're in, that the building's explode, that we're in the last days, that God's going to return, and we want everyone to be prepared. We want everyone to have hope and be safe. And friends, Amy Carmichael, does anyone know who Amy Carmichael is? She was a, a Misho uh, in India, um, funded missionaries, built orphanages, built uh, orphanages. And she describes this horrific scene uh, that she would often speak to churches uh, about. It was a nightmare that she would have where she would watch people, um, thousands of people walking towards the edge of a cliff, uh, falling off. And uh, she would say they were, blind, they were blind and they just kept walking. But then she would see a few people that had eyes to see that reality. Uh, and she used the example um, that they were um, singing songs together eyes open seeing this reality while people were blinded and just walking towards uh, the edge and uh, tumbling off the edge. And she says, you know, how can people who have eyes to see not speak about these realities to those, not speak of the terrible danger? Uh, You know, she talks about them making daisy chains, uh, but it's this horrifying scene that she describes which is really meant to shake the church. There's this oncoming judgment that is coming. God has promised it. He's poured out his spirit. You have dreams and visions. You know Jesus and he says, you're a prophet, so speak about the hope that you have in Jesus. I pray that we as a church will always be on about Jesus. That we'll always speak the truth in love and that we will point to the only hope that we have. And uh, I pray that we would just grow bolder, enable our ability to speak truthfully. Um, I'm going to pray that together now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word and thank you for the amazing gift of the Spirit. Thank you that you've given us your Spirit so that we might know you personally. We have assurance. We have confidence that your judgment has already been poured out on Jesus, that his death and resurrection for us means that we can... Be safe. Father, please help us to speak of this news. Uh, please help us to delight in the forgiveness. And we pray that you would enable your church to speak boldly this news to all those around. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.